Once a month, they also took turns to host a dinner for other hand-picked surgeons, aspiring doctors and their ambitious wives. Due to the length of his tenure and his position on the hospital board, Mr Scriven was regarded as the senior consultant, second only to Dr Gaskell, who was chair of the board. Dr Gaskell sat on the regional TB committee and was respected and revered by all, and his word, with regard to St Angelus, was law. Mr Scriven had reach, undoubtedly, but not long enough to ensure that the board consulted him before deciding he must share the base of his power and source of unceasing adoration, otherwise known as Ward Two. Neither man batted an eyelid while Martha wheeled over the tea trolley, or even appeared to notice her as they waited for a cup and saucer to be placed in their outstretched hands. There were nine consultants at St Angelus, and Martha had only ever needed to be told once how many sugars they took, or how they liked their tea. Martha took her job very seriously. She dressed with care, her apron and frilled cap always spotlessly clean. Her long dark hair was coiled carefully and tightly into a bun, with every strand tucked neatly under her cap. Anyone would think you were the one operating yourself, you're that fussy. Her mother Elsie often shouted as she left the house to catch the ten-past-six bus every morning. It was true. Martha was as proud of the sitting-room as her ma was of the parlour back at home. Mr Mabbott had collapsed into the comfortable brown leather armchair in front of the fire, opposite Mr Scriven, who, much to Martha's dismay, still wore his wraparound operating robe instead of the day suit he wore for clinics and ward rounds. There were two theatres on the top floor of St. Angelus, and the two men had been operating simultaneously before finishing for the afternoon, leaving the registrars and housemen to deal with the post-operative checks on the wards. Mr. Scriven's gown remained gruesomely spattered with blood. None of the other doctors arrived to take their tea in blood-spattered gowns, and Martha lived in hope that one day, maybe, one of the consultants would find the habit as offensive as she did, and mention that he might like to be a little more respectful towards the room she spent her life polishing and cleaning and making comfortable. Not that she had ever said anything. That was not her place. If only she had remembered just where her place was, how different things would be. She sometimes wondered if he was showing off when he strutted through the door wearing his theatre gown, when the other consultants took such care to remove their own. She was only a maid, but it seemed to Martha as though Mr Scriven liked to impress, or rather needed to impress, and even someone as humble as she was a worthy audience of one. Educated by the nuns at St Chad's, she had learnt well and was a clever girl, Following the war, there were only the two of them at home, and so the need to secure work with regular hours and pay was uppermost in her mind when the job vacancy arose. Both her da and her brother had been lost in action, and Martha felt a strong responsibility to start earning for her ma'am and their home as soon as she could, even though it meant abandoning her dream of attending the new secretarial college in town and becoming a secretary in one of the shipping offices. There were moments when she stopped scrubbing and cleaning, and knelt with a cloth in her hand, 
letting the mixture of gloopy pink Aunt Sally and dark green Lysol drip onto the floor. With a sigh, she imagined herself setting off to work in the morning carrying a handbag, smartly dressed, wearing kitten heels and a swing coat, on her way to run a smart office down on the waterfront. She felt no resentment. She and her man were happy, and Jake Berry, her childhood sweetheart, also worked at St. Angeles as a junior porter. Not that they were a couple officially, no, Martha would not allow Jake to assume that. Besides, they had only been on two dates since leaving St. Chad's, and they had been nothing more than to take a turn around the lake in Sefton Park on a Sunday afternoon after the roast dinner. On the last occasion, Jake had taken Martha's hand and slipped it through his arm. You will be Miguel soon, won't you? he had said.